Welcome to Before You Go podcast. And as a reminder, our podcast here, the whole idea is to talk about issues uh, about that may cause you to think about leaving the church, hence the name Before You Go. And our goal through this all has been healing in Christ for Christ's bride, the church. And so if you know someone that could benefit from this, and um, please uh, free, feel free to, to share this with them, because that is our goal, to, to help all of us, the, the Christ people, heal in Christ with that. And so today we're going to cover um, kind of a follow-up from our last podcast about spiritual abuse. Um, and right from the, from the beginning, I just want to say that we, we do not see these at all as comprehensive, but just wanted to continue to dig deeper. And so t- different topics that we've covered, we will definitely follow back and, and continue to go deeper. Uh, but today we kind of have the idea of recovering from spiritual abuse. And part two of that is ways that we at times even spiritually abuse ourselves. It's pretty normal um, to recognize the spiritual abuse that we experience, uh, at least at some point to begin to recognize that, like, hey, that this person is making me feel um, like I'm inferior. They're they're using their their position of leadership or authority over me to oppress me. Of course, those are um, things that we experience and at times and we realize it, but uh, one of the ways that we sometimes are not aware of the spiritual abuse that occurs in our lives is the way that we can abuse ourselves um, spiritually. And so we want to talk this episode on how we experience it, um, how we cause it within ourselves. And then of course, as always, how we can uh, continue to work through healing within that. And so Alex, one of the things that we were talking about um, within spiritual abuse is really how condemnation begins to impact us. And I know I'm throwing you on the spot here, but when you think about condemnation, how it impacts your life or how it impacts the the lives of believers, what are a couple things that you think of within that word? Heaviness. I think of heaviness. That word comes to my mind. Just... uh like a heavy in your chest, like the rock that's crushing you. I think of that, that slowly is crushing you when I hear condemnation. Wow. That's a really, that's a really good uh, description. When I think of condemnation, I think of uh, driving a car through fog. And when condemnation is very thick uh, in my life, it's like how it's hard to see the, the, it's hard to drive your car because of the thickness of the fog. And um, it just makes it very difficult to see anything in front of you. You you know, for me, I feel like you just kind of um, come into a spot where you, where you feel that I'll say that heaviness that you mentioned, but you can't see what's in front of you. you. You can't even begin to figure out how to map your way through it other than just staring straight in front of you and hoping that there's nothing on the roadway uh, as you continue to drive. That's what I think of with the condemnation. Yeah, no, I like that. A lack of direction, a lack of clarity on things, but yet kind of this lostness or helplessness even. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, yeah. Let me hear, Jen, if you don't mind. Um, we, we're just coming from the podcast of a spiritual abuse, and we're transitioning to um, kind of the condemnation on ourselves and let me kind of set this up if you will how this connects right does that sound good with you jed that sounds awesome okay so uh like jed was saying in the beginning you 
Um, you could probably think of examples or at least relate to uh, this idea of identifying spiritual abuse as in someone abusing you, someone of authority, uh, spiritual authority, uh, pastor, elder, Sunday school leader, small group leader, just or an older Christian that kind of disciples you. You, you, you identify that, you see that, but then there's this other aspect of uh, almost ambivalence where you um, almost condemn yourself. And let me kind of explain that a little bit because the this usually, I shouldn't say all the time, but usually the spiritual abuse is framed, I use that word specifically, it's framed in the way that the, the abusee, the one being abused, is at fault. It's their fault that abuse is happening and then you add on the layer that the one abusing you it has some kind of spiritual authority and you identify that authority with God or God's direction. And so then that just adds confusion. Like, are you actually, the, are you the one that's actually going against God in this area? And so you're on one level, you're already getting this abuse, whatever it looks like from this person. And then the other level, you cut, you're, you're questioning, well, do, do I actually deserve this? Am I the one that's in the wrong? And coming back to what I said there, it's, it's the, the framing that the abuser frames it this way, that you're the one, you're the one that's actually the problem. And if I can go on a few examples here, we see this in scripture all over the place. This is a very common uh, theme from the enemy. Uh, for example, you've got uh, Athalia. Uh, she's a queen in Israel, back when Israel had kings and queens. She, her, I think her son dies. And so she kills off, literally kills off all of the royal line, except for one, one escapes. But then she puts herself on the throne. But then Jehoiada, a priest, a righteous priest, when the, the son that got away, when he gets older, Jehoiada puts the son back as the king. But then the queen who killed the whole royal line comes and sees us. She, get this, she calls out and says, treason, treason, when she's the one, in fact, that committed treason. And this is recorded in 2 Kings 11. Let me continue. This is all over the place. Uh, Ahab was a king in Israel, and he was a wicked, evil man, wicked and evil. But yet Elijah the prophet, uh, a man of God, when Ahab saw Elijah, it is Ahab that told Elijah, hey, is it you, you troubler of Israel? He, he flipped it. He flipped this the script. He framed it this way as if Elijah, he's the one that's the troubler when in fact Ahab was. And you can go on and on through scripture. Jesus calls the Pharisees, uh, the, the Jewish leaders at that time, you are of your, your father, the devil. But then they come back and says, no, Jesus, you're the one with the demon. They flip it. You can go on about Stephen, John the Baptist, James, Paul, Peter, on and on and on. How these people who are executed, it was framed that they were the ones that were the, the ones with the issue. So I, I want to just bring up from all that, the idea here of how the spiritual abuse connects with how we can turn it on ourselves. When we, we're, we're confused, the abuse is framed that way as if it's our fault. Do I deserve this? And then we start condemning ourselves and guilting ourselves. Wow. I really, really appreciated um, the examples of where we see this throughout Scripture. And, um, you know, the, the line I wrote down as you were talking was, you know, the sense of feeling it's our fault. And that's, um, you know... How do, how do we say this? I mean, we, we know that we sin uh, regularly every day. There's times where we give in to sin that we desperately fight against. There are times that we say things that we shouldn't, um, that we don't do things that we want to. I mean, you get the idea. And um, so it's kind of a, 
it's almost like an easy setup for the devil to um, get us into this self condemnation um, and sense of like, it is your fault. It's your fault that this happened. It's your fault that God didn't um, heal you in this situation. It's your fault that God didn't bless you. It's your fault. And uh, it isn't just things that we experience in our lives. That's also a part of scripture. And the example that we were talking about uh, before the show, Alex, from Peter's life after he denied Christ three times. I mean, it would be really easy for him to just say, yeah, that that's my fault. And uh, Jesus had warned him, um, you know, Peter prayed that the devil, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't lead you astray. I mean, I'm praying for your heart that he wouldn't sift you. And, you know, in John chapter 21, we see the result of um, Peter having denied Jesus. Uh, he comes to a place, he's like, you know, basically I'm thinking that he's like, well, it's all my fault that I denied Jesus and uh, I don't know what to do now because I don't feel like I'm worthy of following Jesus anymore. Or I don't feel like I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't have purpose now. I don't have direction. So he and some of the other uh, disciples decide that they're going to go fishing. And um, many of the listeners I'm sure are familiar with that story, but in the process of him deciding to go fishing, Jesus appears on the shore. And what I love about the story is uh, not that Jesus had the the fish prepared for them, but I love that Jesus in the depths of, of the pain that Peter's experiencing, the the self, um, you know, anger that he has, the the sense of it, he's in this spot because of his denial. Jesus goes to him and meets him in that place, and I I love that because those are the areas and the ways that I've seen God show up in my life um, after I'm done pouting, or or else He'll just work right through that pouting. Uh, to be able to expose to me the depths of his love in a fresh way and helping me to to be um, able to to continue to pursue him in, in relationship. So Alex, does that uh, kind of connect with some of what you're uh, with what you're thinking or do you want to add to that in a different way? Oh yeah, I, I love that picture. Peter, who we see the bold man throughout the gospel and so then from a, a slave girl, um asking hey are you actually with jesus and he denies it and then he hears the the as you said the the crow oh, the, not the crow the um the rooster crow and then he i think it says in all the gospels he went away weeping just crying and then like you said he goes back to fishing uh he's a fisherman what he what he knew he just went back to what he knew which was fishing and a lot of us we go back to what we know after we go through this abuse whether that even be some kind of uh sinful habit or something we, do, we go back to for, for some kind of comfort. But then, as you said there, the restoration of Christ that Jesus pursues. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, even as you were starting to share some of that, Alex, um, you mentioned uh, how easy it is for us to go back to things that we, that we used to do. And I can't even, I, I mean, just literally people's faces flashed before my, my, my mind and in my um just thinking about things that they've shared in those moments of, um, eh, I don't know, moment, moments of despair. I think that's the best word I can come up with in this um, situation describing it. And they're like, man, I, I thought that I was past that. I thought I was beyond that sin. Um, you know, I would say the same things in my own life. Like there are times where I find myself going back to sin that um, really just I thought I was past that, or I thought I was over that. I didn't think that I was 
uh, going to yield to that anymore. And always uh, what happens in those situations is I begin to beat myself up. I begin to condemn myself, hence the condemnation, kind of what we talked about in the earlier part of the show. I begin to feel like um, my relationship with God, I don't, I don't see where it's going. Um, you know, the driving through the fog, the illustration, there, there's just this weight, this heaviness uh, on my heart. And, and it's really difficult to understand how to process through that, how to move forward. Because, yep, I see in the, in the scriptures how God restores and redeems. But in my life, in this moment, as I'm uh, essentially oppressing myself, I'm resisting the truth of what God's word says. I'm resisting, um, in effect, the grace that God gives. So as I'm doing that, without realizing it, I'm actually causing abuse toward myself. I'm harming myself. Um, and I just like thinking about some of that, I see how, and you and I know, I know we're on the same page here. We see how this impacts the church, the the body of Christ, the the believers. We see how this impacts the church so frequently. Yeah, and uh, I love the picture. Now that you keep on saying over and over the fog, the idea of condemnation with fog, the, um, the there's it's just all foggy. It's muddy. There you don't know there's any way out. There's no way out of this condemnation. There's nothing defined or, or definite. And then the the sin or whatever you feel the condemnation from, you, it, it's just confusing. It's foggy where you can't really even repent of it. There's like nothing. You know what I'm saying? There, there's nothing concrete to to repent from or to move forward to while you're in that fog. Yeah, because if there was clarity, we would know what steps to take. And I think that that's one of the, the advantages um, of spending time with God in his word is he, he speaks so clearly through his word. But when we have just yielded to sin or when we've just blown it, um, like Peter did, denying Jesus three times, um, it's really hard to maybe feel worthy of being able to spend time with God. Um, it's really hard to feel like accepted. And yet again, this the scriptures show repeatedly um, that God is desiring relationship with us, the lengths that he's gone to, but are gone through to establish that relationship. Um, and there is a part of us because we want to do well to, you know, in serving God that it's easy to, to give into the, um, the self-condemning thoughts. Yeah. I, I really like you continue to come back to, uh, the truth of scripture. Uh, I'm thinking of, um, whether that be, uh, like with, someone else abusing us spiritually and we as I, we said earlier identified them with some kind of spiritual authority that they're identified with god in some way in terms of their authority in our own lives that if we aren't looking to scripture as the ultimate authority then we will be pulled down in that combination since we're listening to these this person who may have authority but in compared to what god's word says what they're saying is not true um but if we have scripture as the authority then we're able to weed through that we're able to to have that light in the fog to know where we're going and then taking even more personally with uh on a personal level if if we're not holding to scripture as the authority but rather uh what we feel or our thoughts and i i say that attentively or or uh softly that's the right word because 
um, not overlooking the importance of our, our, our feelings or what they can indicate, but if we hold that as, uh, because we always feel guilty, like Satan is very good at manipulating our emotions, but we hold to scripture. That is our authority. We read Romans 8, 1, therefore is there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. None. It's done. None. There's forgiveness in Christ. And so just the, so I really liked how you continue to bring it back to scripture and with your, your picture there of driving through the fog, you see the, the lights ahead and that light that, that shows the direction is God's word. Man, that, um, this is a, it's a, I wouldn't say a fun topic to discuss, but it's a very real issue to handle. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me, those who are weary, heavy, burdened, uh, I'll give you rest, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. We, we know that. Um, but, you know, Peter literally was walking with Jesus. Um, he not only heard uh, Jesus say this out of his own mouth, but like, I mean, man, three years of walking with Jesus, you would certainly, uh, you know, have, have experienced how Jesus offered grace, how Jesus loved people. And yet, what's the first thing that Peter does after denying Jesus? Well, maybe not necessarily the first, but one of the things he does is he he says, well, I'm going to go fish. I don't know what else to do. And and then in the whole restoration process, um, Jesus is like, hey, come here, eat. Um, do you love me, Peter? He has an intimate conversation. And many, I mean, yep, we know that Peter was asked three times, do you love me? And each time he's like, God, you know, I love you. You know, I love you. But in that whole process, like Jesus was working Peter through that condemnation. He was working Peter through that self uh, guilt. He was um, working Peter through that. And that's what I, one of the things I've so come to love and appreciate about God and my relationship with him is that he is so patient with me. And the gentleness of the questions of Jed, do you still love me? Jed, do you do you still love me? Do you yeah, still yeah. love me? Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, Jed. I absolutely love that verse. Probably one of my favorite verses, the Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I have to tell the story. Give me, give me a few seconds here, Chad. Yeah, I'll, at I'll the, uh, wait for you to grab that. Yeah. at the So my wife and I met each other at this uh, Christian camp. And we, we worked, and specifically we worked in the barn with the horses. And one of the things that we did there that was kind of a, a specialty breakfast for the campers is that the, we would have uh, breakfast in the middle of the woods. But how the campers got there was a horse-drawn uh, sled or a wagon, depending what weather, what kind of weather, if it was winter or not. Anyway, and so it was, it was pulled by these two black horses that were just massive. They're draft horses, so they're big horses. So here's the funny thing. So they're yoked together, if you would say. Uh, not an actual yoke, wooden yoke, but they are connected together. And But these horses, what's interesting, and I, I get this picture of the come to me, let uh, take my yoke upon you. These two horses, as there's going, there's one horse that would clearly do most of the work, and the other one was kind of lazy and hold back. But the horse doing the work, it would actually turn and start biting the other one because it wasn't pulling its weight. So you'll see the horse as you're as you're driving it. The horse is biting the other one because it's not doing its its part of the work, and so the uh. other ones do most of the work. So when I hear that and I, about Jesus saying, "Take my yoke upon you," 
for it's easy and my burden is light. What that horse was doing is not what Jesus does. He does not look at us like, you bum, why aren't you doing anything? And then he doesn't start condemning us and guilting us. That's not what Christ does. And so just a beautiful picture that we tend to with the condemnation of guilt. We think that's how Jesus is. He's like that horse that bites us if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing or or not doing enough. And we feel that condemnation that we're not enough. We're not doing enough. But that's not at all how Jesus is. Man, I so, so appreciate you sharing that story. One, because it's kind of funny. But two, you're right. I mean, that's, that is a normal thing to think like, man, God, uh, you must be so disappointed. We're, we're just waiting for you to be nipping at us. We're waiting for you to bring the punishment that we deserve. We're, we're going to punish ourselves even until we receive your punishment, just to make sure that you know how sorry we are. And that, that isn't how God handles us. Um, and as fathers, Alex, which you and I are both really blessed to be fathers. We, we don't handle our kids that way either. Um, and it's amazing the difference, how God handles us to the way that we think he should, or is going to in those moments of condemnation, where we're just really suppressing ourselves, um, and beating ourselves down, but God is so good and he loves, he loves us. And I don't know where you're at, um, as you listen to this today, listeners, but I want you to know that God loves you. And even if you've chosen um, to, to take some time away from church and you've drifted a little bit, our heart is to help you to see in a fresh way that God loves you. He desires for you to, to continue to spend time with him and not just at church, not just with other believers, but that is a part of it, but to spend time with him in his word, spend time with him in prayer. And again, if you've drifted, we, we see that people have drifted throughout scripture and yet God still brings them back and allows them to serve him in a powerful way. And that might be you today. Um, or you may know somebody who, who would benefit from this episode, thinking about their relationship with God. And we want to, again, encourage you to, to share that with them. We, we do this as a, as a ministry to continue to help build up and invest into um, the church. And that means the people. Mm-hmm. Alex, any other final thoughts? Yeah, I'm just thinking, uh, thank God for Jesus Christ. Without him, I'd still be underneath that rock that's slowly crushing me, or we'd still be in that fog, not knowing where to go, or just completely lost. Man, that's a good way to to wrap things up. Listeners, we we are excited to continue to to podcast and just uh, address relevant issues that the, that the church deals with, and that means you and I. Um, so... Until next, uh, tell the next show. God bless. God bless.